Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello everyone, this is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Excuse me if I sound a little tired, because I am. Uh, so be patient with me. Um, today is, what's today's date here? Take a look at my um, Saturday, October 23rd. This is um, Sabbath or Shabbat in Hebrew. And we're going to do some things differently here in this program. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, let's turn there. Romans chapter 1. states this in the King James Version. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, or Messiah. Colon, continue to thought, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or to everyone else. Now, as I've explained to you many times in this program, you must understand that the Jews are not just the entire house of Israel. Any historian that is a historian, understands that that the the, uh, the house of Israel was split into two uh, groups, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. The house of Judah consists of the tribe of Judah, which are the Jews today, Benjamin, and the Levites. The house of Israel consists of ten tribes. One of the major tribes of the ten tribes of Israel is Ephraim, or Ephraim, or Ephraim. And Ephraim consists of the United States, and Britain, and Canada, and New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, I think I stated Canada, and the countries in Australia and the countries in Northwestern Europe, and of course anyone that is a believer of Jesus Christ or Yeshua Messiah as their Lord and Savior is also automatically grafted in as the Commonwealth of Israel, as Ephesians chapter 2 states. Uh, let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And what he's simply talking about here, as I've stated, uh, you have to understand what was going on here in the first century. Uh, uncircumcision is a an idiom, Jewish idiom for um, Gentiles that were not converted over to being Jewish. Circumcision simply states that these are Jews who either uh, do the ritual of um, being circumcised to become a Jew, became Jews, or they were naturally Jews because of uh, birth, okay? By that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. So if you are without Christ, 
this means that you're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So let's stop there. So that means that if you are truly a believer of Yeshua Messiah, then you are not an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You are considered a part of Israel if you are a believer of Christ. Because why would it say that at that time you were without Christ? And it explains you what being without Christ means. It means being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. It doesn't say aliens from the commonwealth of the church. People get the church mixed up with Israel. They're together. The word congregation means assembly. And in the Old Testament, that word was used, quite frankly, to talk about Israel. They were the congregation or assembly. So that was the first church. And that's the word church is translated using the same word that was used for congregation in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Anyway, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ and Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants or agreements of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So again, this is a significant scripture. Uh, if you are not a believer of the Messiah being Yeshua or Jesus, then you are alien from the commonwealth of Israel, you're not a part of Israel, and you don't have any hope, and you have, and God is not with you in the world. All right? This verse also tells you that the Messiah is linked with Israel. He's the king of Israel. And many, and almost all, Christian denominations and groups teach you that Yeshua taught that the Torah is done away with, that Gentiles don't have to keep the Torah. He came upon the earth to say, okay, well, the law of God is too hard for, for everyone. Let me just make it easier for you. And and that's not true, ladies and gentlemen. That's not true. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Yeshua, or Jesus. So when you are a believer and you get immersed in, and you show through your works that you have repented, and you receive the Holy Spirit of God, then you are considered a believer, and you are considered a part of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel. Verse 14, For he is our peace who has made both one. So both have become one. Jews and Gentiles are considered Israel. Uh, Gentiles that believe in Yeshua Messiah. And has broken down the middle wall partition between us. Okay? And this is when people get confused. Uh, verse 15, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the hostility, even the law, of commandments contained in the ordinances or dogma for to make in himself of two one new man making peace and that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity the hostility the hostility is any interpretation or eisegesis putting your own thoughts in the scriptures that is against the Torah of God this is not saying that the Torah of God was nailed to the cross it's not saying that at all so, in verse 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, which is interpreted here in this context as the commonwealth of Israel. In verse 20, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. All right? So I just wanted to explain that. And, and of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 explains that we should learn from the example of the congregation that was in Israel at the time of uh, Moshe or Moses. All right. So what I was trying to explain is that the focus of any ministry is to reach out to the Jews first, just like Paul did. But quite a few of them rejected Paul, so he decided to go to where the Jews were among the Gentile population. And of course, he also decided to, God gave him the commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, non-Jews as well. Um, I realize that that's what I need to be doing as well. You know, I need to focus on, on the Jews first or and anyone else. And what that really means is that what where Christ stated here in John, uh, John chapter 4, John 4, verse 24, actually, let's start in John 4, verse 21, and this is talking about a Samaritan, and the Samaritans are individuals that did not 
decide to to come back with the rest of the um, the Jews or the tribe of Judah, Benjamin and Levite, when Cyrus God had stirred up Cyrus' spirit and to command that they go back, they stayed behind and they intermingled with the population, and they built their own temple, and they were called Samaritans. Uh, back then and they still are somewhat today and they have their own version of the Torah and temple and and they don't worship from Jerusalem or at or, or they don't go to Jerusalem to worship so that's the context that we're talking about here in verse 21 of John 4 Jesus says to her woman believe me the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father so he had prophesied that the temple would be destroyed. You worship, you know not what. In other words, you don't know what you're worshiping. And this is what, <laughs> this is a prophecy because many people today are, are like the Samaritans. They don't know what they're worshiping. Okay? We, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So if we understand that salvation is of the Jews, then we, we need to, to use Jewish tradition that does not conflict with the Bible and certainly doing the Torah portions like the Jews. Many Jews across the United States and around the world do the Torah portions every week. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's a good tradition that we need to follow. So, uh, and Jesus Christ followed all the Jewish traditions that did not conflict with the Bible, including the tradition of reading Scripture. If you look at uh, Luke, Luke, Chapter 4, he went into the Jewish synagogue, and verse 15, Luke 4, verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues. That's where the concept of the American church came from, ladies and gentlemen, and came from the Jews. Many things came from the Jews. I'm, I'm taking a Jewish history and ethics course uh, currently right now, and um I'm learning many things, and a lot of things that we have today came from Jews, ladies and gentlemen. God has blessed the tribe of Judah mightily to be an example to the world. Unfortunately, they failed with being a religious example like they should, but uh, as far as um, the, the physical areas, that they have been an example, and they've, they've been leaders in, in, in that area. Uh, Luke chapter 4 beginning in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was. Actually, verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. All right? So he regularly, this was his custom and, and habit, he regularly taught in, in, in synagogues of, of those that weren't resistant to his message, of course. Just like Paul did, because he just followed uh, Yeshua's example. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Shabbat day and stood for up for to read. That was his custom. And there was delivered to him the book of, of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. He didn't read the rest of it. Um, and he gave it to the minister or the servant and sat down, and the eyes of all of them were in the synagogue were fastened on him. So anyway, I'm just showing that to give you an example of that. One of the things you should do that you should do on a Shabbat is read from the Torah or from, from the Bible. So anyway, this week's Torah portion is by Yara. He appeared. And it's talking about God appearing to Abraham, as, as we're going to see here. So uh, with this change format, I will, from time to time, give special Bible studies. Uh, and I'm going to ask my audience, if you have any questions at all, wait until after the Bible study, Either email me or you can call me. Uh, my number is 614-863-6231. That's 614-863-6231. But I prefer email communication. 
and my email address is kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. That's kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. And I'll do the best I can to ask or to answer, rather not ask, but answer your questions. Okay, so let's review this Torah portion here. The Torah portion for this week, according to Jewish synagogues around the world, Oh, and to get a, a a better understanding of what I talked about in reference to who the house of Israel is and the house of Judah, please go to this the following website, www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M, B-R-I-T-A-M dot org. Uh, you'll be going to Garrett Davidi's website, or you can go to my blog talk radio website, uh, who are the Ten Tribes of Israel? Click on that link; it'll take you right to the website as well. And you can—you're welcome to get his books. I have a few of them, but uh, you don't need to get his books to understand. All the proof there is on his website, from not only from the Bible, but from outside the Bible um, information, as well as information from the Jewish writings, the Talmud. Uh, it, it has definite proof that we know where they are today. If you're just willing to look at it and to I think you know everything, okay? All right, so the the Torah reading, Torah, as far as Jewish tradition is concerned, uh, means the first five books of the Bible. We really, Torah means the teachings of God, okay? But as far as Jewish tradition is concerned, they state that the first five books, the first five books is considered the, the Torah or, or the main teachings of God, Okay? And then you have the Heftor, or Heftor section, uh, which today is Second Kings four verses one to thirty-seven. So there's Second Kings four verses one to thirty-seven, and the Brit the Brit Tadasha, or the Brit or the Brit Tada, uh, boy the the Brit. Chadasha, the Brit Chadasha, sorry about that. Second Peter chapter two verses four to eleven. I'm still trying to learn Hebrew. <laughs> Sometimes I'll fumble when I do. Please be patient with me. But this means the you know, the renewed covenant or you can also mean the apostolic scriptures. Alright. Second Peter two verses four to eleven. All right, so let's take a look. And then also, too, um, I'm going to touch on prophecy when I have to. Right now, what's going on is uh, the Obama administration are trying to reach a peace deal. They said they, they would try to reach a peace deal um, around 2011. The peace deal meaning that there would be a Palestinian state declared. And the Palestinians are right now trying to get the U.N. They, they're thinking that by November... They will try to get the UN to announce unilaterally, without uh, Israel's approval, that there is a Palestinian state. So let's let's look at that because we know that there must be a temple. This based on what Christ said in Matthew chapter 24, that there must be a temple built for the abomination of desolation, which is a definition of the temple. Sacrifices being stopped to issue in the great tribulation. So anyway, Genesis chapter eighteen it says, "And the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground." And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray you, from your servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be bought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, and comfort you, your hearts, after that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. Now, let me just stop you here. Abraham, in Jewish tradition, which is true tradition here in this case, was considered a very hospitable person. He really cared about people, and he showed it through his actions. 
And that's the reason why Abraham is considered the father of the faithful, and that is somebody that we should emulate and copy today. Because his behavior was of God, so much so but that God called him his friend. And if we want to also be considered friends of God, and if we want to get God's attention, not just because well, we want to get something, but because it's the right thing to do, we should be hospital toward other people. An example of this, let's turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And starting at verse 15 of Luke 14, verse 15, states this. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So Yeshua gave him a parable of those who uh, will be in God's kingdom, those who care about people, and, and uh, he gave them a uh, a parable to explain this to him. So let's read this in verse 16 of Luke chapter 14. Then he said to him, A certain man made a great supper and bid many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, or invited, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, or try them. I pray you have me excused. So there's all kinds of excuses here. Um, This certain man is, is the father himself. He prepared a great supper. Uh, for the wedding of Yeshua to his church. And in verse 20, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So everyone has their excuses and so forth. And in verse 20, and so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed, the crippled, and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel or urge them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men which are invited shall taste of my supper. So this gives you an example of that God will have anyone come into his presence as long as they obey him and as long as they obey his law and 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 respect him so he, he God plays no favorites he plays no favorites and that's something that we need to understand and that's something that we need to uh take seriously and copy so Abraham was a great man he was a man that cared about other people, and he would entertain strangers. That's, again, I, I made a Bible study or created a Bible study on what real entertainment is. Entertainment is not having fun for yourself. What entertainment is, is is being hospitable toward people and caring about people. That's what entertainment is. And we have, uh, we have not done a good job in... <laughs> Defining that word very well, unfortunately. And uh, we need to change and, and we need to uh, do the right thing. I'm trying to find me another scripture here that homes into the point about Abraham here. Be patient with me here. is in Luke somewhere. I'm just trying to find it. Let's see. Let's 
Here we go. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. doesn't surprise me that this is in the same chapter that uh, is focusing on the, the, the main, the poor, those who are forsaken and, and not thought of as being great because of their social condition or their sickness or disease condition. Luke chapter 14, because those are the kind of people that he cares for, God. He cares for everyone, but he definitely cares about people who are forsaken. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. And this goes hand in hand with the the uh, the theme of the Torah portions this week in reference to Abraham. Luke 14, verse 12. Then said he also to him that bid him, When you make a dinner or a supper, call not your friends, nor your brethren, neither your kinsmen, nor your rich neighbors, that not they also bid you again, or invite you again, and a repayment be made you. Verse 13, But when you make a feast, call the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you shall be blessed, for they shall, or they cannot, repay you. You Monetarily, they, they can't repay you as far as money, but... Or, you know, for you shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. All right, and then, of course, God gives an example of the fact that he's not a hypocrite and that he does what he's, he's telling you to do. He does this, and we'll do it again in the future. So we need to be like Abraham, ladies and gentlemen. If we call ourselves believers, we need to care about other people. That's what pure religion is. Did a Bible study on that. Here's an example, and Abraham's one of the greatest examples of, of practicing pure religion, caring about people. That's what the gospel is all about, learning how to care about people. And if you care about people, God will care about you and change you into a mighty spiritual being so that you can help others. Okay. So Genesis chapter 18, verse 6, And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal kneaded and make cakes upon the earth and Abraham ran to the herd and bought a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man and he hastened to, to prepare it and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat and they said to him where is Sarah your wife and he said behold in the tent and he said I will certainly return to you according to the time of life and lo Sarah your wife shall have a son and Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and were well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she couldn't get pregnant. Verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am wax old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I am, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but you did laugh. And the men rose up from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? Shall I hide from Abraham? That thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children. And here again is another example of Abraham. Let's pay attention to his character. For I know him that he will command his children in this household after him, and they shall keep the way or obey the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So it's telling you that Abraham was a good father. And he did exactly what the Torah tells each and every parent to do, is to teach their children the laws of God. And that's what he did. That's why Isaac and Jacob became the kind of uh, servants of God that they were. And then the Shema, one part of the Shema, states this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, understand, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
And these words which I command you this day shall be in your mind or heart. Verse 7, here's a key verse. This is the reason why family in the United States is breaking apart and around the world. And you shall teach them diligently. And if the law of God is taught, or the Torah of God, the teachings of God, is not taught diligently, I can assure you that in most cases in American families today. Uh, how can I say that? Well, the article I quoted to you last week, over 50% of our teenagers are... are <laughs> Their minds are gone, basically. They're not thinking straight. That tells you. So as many parents aren't doing what they're supposed to do. I know, you know, out of respect to my parents, uh, they did the best they could, but they did not teach me diligently. I can't remember a time where we ever did a Bible study, which is terrible. It's sad, but that's that's the way it is with a lot of families uh, in the United States. They didn't know any better. My parents, like all parents, uh, the prophecy in uh, Jeremiah chapter 16, states that we all have an inherited lies. So uh, we all have grown up and we assume that our parents are right about everything they taught us. And then, of course, we find out soon that they weren't. And it all, one of the examples of what I'm saying is that our parents, every single one of our parents are wrong about Christmas, telling us that there is a Santa Claus and that there is a fat man that goes down a chimney and gives us gifts. And that on December 25th is the birthday of Christ, which is not true. And a lot of other, uh, well, those are the two things right there. And then, of course, our parents don't tell us that Christmas trees, uh, based on Jeremiah chapter 10, is a pagan tradition, outside of God tradition. But anyway, that's not a Bible study. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, And you shall teach them diligently. It doesn't tell you to teach Christmas to uh, kids diligently, as parents do today. But it says you shall teach the Torah, the, the laws of God, or the teachings of God diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 8, and this is where the Jews got the positive tradition of the uh, tefillin from, which I'll talk about in the future. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes and you shall write them upon the posts of your house and on your gates and it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore unto your fathers, to Abraham, here we go with Abraham again, to Isaac and Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you have built not. Okay? And houses full of all good things which you filled not, and wells dug which you dug not, vineyards and olive trees which you planted not, when you shall have eaten and be full, that you beware that you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall swear by his name and to fear the Lord means to hate evil and that's in Proverbs 8 verse 13. And Abraham feared the Lord ladies and gentlemen and we need to to be like him and command our children and um the our household after our children, that they shall keep the way of the Lord. That's what we ought to do as Abraham did. Verse 20. And verse 18, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down. So he wanted to go down, as great as God is. He still wanted to see it for himself. Because what he was going to do to Sodom was destroy the entire city. So to do something like that, he wanted to make sure that it was as evil as, as what he has heard. And seen from a distance. So verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done together according to the cry of it, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Verse 22, And the men turned their faces from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So if there's any doubt that that uh, Abraham was not talking to the Lord, this scripture right there tells you. All right, And Jews, they... You know, they they are partially blinded, as, as Romans chapter 11 states, and so are Christians. And, of course, the, the thing that Jews are blinded from, I'm talking about Jews that don't believe in Yeshua being the Messiah, is that Yeshua is the Messiah. And another thing that they're blinded on is the fact that God can't appear as a man. This is an example of where God appeared as a man. <laughs> right here. You know, he, it says the Lord. He stood before the Lord. Not an angel, but the Lord. Okay? And... Verse 23, And Abraham drew near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Verse 24, Perhaps there be 50 righteous inside the city. 
will you also destroy and spare not the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Of course. Verse 26, And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous inside the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak to the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Verse 28, in other words, he's dust and ashes. Verse 28, Perhaps there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. You will destroy all the city for lack of five. And he said, If I find there are forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him again and said, Perhaps there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said to him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Perhaps there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak to the Lord. Perhaps there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. Verse 32, And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Perhaps ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So, you know, this is an interesting conversation. It lets you know the mercy of God. Of course, there were not ten righteous, so that's the reason why he destroyed Sodom, but he got the righteous out before he did it. All right? Because uh, Genesis uh, chapter 19 talks about what happened, and many people had a little arguments about whether or not God pulled the plug uh, because of homosexuality. One, one text that proves that, if you look at, um, let's see here, verse 4 of Genesis chapter 19. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men which came to you this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And that word know, Hebraically, or in the Hebrew, is talking about really know or sexually know. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door, to them and shut the door after him. That those that have little arguments about that, let's continue to read the text here, verse seven, and said, "I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly." So he knew they were going to do a wicked act here. Verse eight. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Okay, so we know obviously they're talking about sex. Okay, because <laughs> that word "known" is, is in the original Hebrew and it means to know sexually. All right, so he's talking about I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out. And you do to them as is good in your sights, or eyes, rather. Only to these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want to go by the Hebrew words, if you want to go by the text, these men wanted to sexually abuse the two angels here. All right? That's proved there from the text. And for those who are still confused of whether or not homosexuality is, is condemned of God, uh, is Pretty simple. In Luke, Leviticus chapter 18, in verse 22, it says, You shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. That's pretty simple to understand here. It is abomination. Uh, detestable, grossly sinful. Then, it, then it, it talks about this being in the context of uh, lying with a beast. Uh, Neither shall you lie with any beast to defile yourself there. Neither any woman stand before a beast and lie down there. It is confusion. I hope people understand that that's wrong. But anyway, in verse 24, it says, Defile not yourselves in any of these things. So whenever someone is messing around with their own sex, you defile yourself. Verse 24, that's what it says here. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore I do so... What homosexuals do, they defile themselves and they also defile the environment, uh, both environmentally and mentally and, and, and socially. Verse 25, And the land is defiled, therefore I do, do visit the iniquity there upon it, and the land itself vomits out her inhabitants. Verse 26, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations. 
neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourns among you or joins into the commonwealth of Israel. Verse 27, For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which before you and the land is defiled. Verse 28, That the land spew not you out also when you defile it, as it is spewed out as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Verse 29, For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the persons that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Verse 30, Therefore shall you keep my ordinance, that you commit not any one of these abominable customs or traditions which were committed before you. So homosexuality, ladies and gentlemen, is an old tradition that people still do today. And bestiality, which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourself there, and I am the Lord your God. And there's many other scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, proves that homosexuality is wrong, but the human tendency is to believe that it is possible for two sperms to create a human being or two ovum. When when you look at this biologically and, and logically, a sperm and an, and, and an um, ovum have to come together to create an embryo, which tells you that in the beginning, God created man and woman, or male and female, as Christ states in Matthew chapter 19 in the beginning verses. He acknowledged that marriage, or being one flesh, that's a Jewish idiom for saying that, is marriage. It's between a male and a female. So that's the truth of that, ladies and gentlemen. Genesis chapter 18. 19, rather. All right? And, of course, you can read this for yourself and you understand what happened. And then chapter 20. Uh, it talks about Abraham journeying from there and toward the south country and dwell between Kadesh and Shur. And this is the situation where he lied again to <laughs> uh, protect Sarah and so forth. And uh, it talks about that. And then verse 21, I mean, not verse 21, chapter 21. And it states here that the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And it talks about the conception of her. And then she had birthed Isaac, and then chapter 22 talks about the great sacrifices that Abraham did to prove to God that even if God asked him to kill his son, he would still do it. And this is symbolic, of course, of the great God sacrificing his son, Yeshua Messiah, for all of mankind, the great atonement, which we'll get into some other time. All right, we're running out of time here. Uh, we need to go over the other tour portions here. Second uh, Kings chapter four, verses one to thirty-seven. Now, this is talking about the uh, the miracles that uh, God allowed Elijah to do. Uh, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant did fear the Lord, or he hated evil. And the creditor is come to take to him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? So here, again, is an example of caring and having uh, compassion and mercy uh, upon someone else. And that's what pure religion is all about. And she said, your handmaid has not anything in the house save a pot of oil. So Elijah wanted to help her, verse 3. Then he said, go, borrow your vessels abroad of all your neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when you are come in, you shall shut the door upon you and upon your sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and you shall set aside that which is full. So she went from him, she went from him, and shut the door, upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said to her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debt, and live, you and your children of the rest. And it fell on that on the day that Elijah passed to Shunem, where he was 
there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread, and he said to her husband, Behold, now I proceed that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continuously. Or continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray you, on a wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he shall turn in there. And it fell on a day that he came there, and he turned the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, called a Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, Behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What is it to be done for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she has no child and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, you shall embrace a son. So this is pretty similar to what God had uh, told Abraham. And Elijah did this. Not Elijah, but Elijah did this for someone else. Or God did it through him. You shall embrace a son. And she said, Nay, nay, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to your handmaid. And the woman conceived and bore a son at that season that Elijah had said to her according to the time of life. And when a child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father's, to the reapers. And he said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called to her husband and said, Send me, I pray you, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Where... For will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Shabbat. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not your riding for me, except I bid you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, or Jehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray you, to meet her, and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed, troubled within her, and the Lord has hidden it from me, and has not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Which he didn't, of course, but... She's uh, in a very traumatic state right now, so we understand why she said that. Verse 29, Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute you, answer him not, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And he rose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not wakened. And when Elijah was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, to shut the door upon him too and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up, and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, or Gehazi, and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming to him, he said, Take up your son. Then she went in, and fell at his feet, and bowed herself to the ground, and took up her son, and went out. Okay, so this is an example of the great miracles that God did through Elijah. And the reason why he did these miracles through Elijah, Elijah cared about people, obviously. And, you know, God will do great miracles through us if we show that we care about people, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Second Peter. Second Peter.
Second Peter. And the Brit Chadasha. Second Peter chapter two. Verses four to eleven. Uh, it talks about God sparing the angels. It says, for if God spared not, well, he didn't spare anybody. It says, for if God spared not the angels, in this context, anyway, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved to judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, the eighth of the, the group of people that were saved from that world, a preacher of righteousness, so righteousness in Psalm 119, verse 172 states that is the, the uh, commandments of God. A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that after should live ungodly. Verse 7, and delivered just lot, who was troubled with the filthy conduct of the wicked. Verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, tormented his righteous soul or life from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That's how wicked Sodom was, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 9, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and de and despise government. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. All right, so these are people that that have the characteristics the characteristics that are similar to the characteristics of uh, the people that lived uh, in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is a warning telling us that we should not act like these individuals. Because that's the reason why they were destroyed. I mean, it was a terrible environment. Uh, the people didn't care about anybody. You know, people always socialize. Most, a lot of people, they... Uh, the majority of people, anyway, when you read that text, they're like, oh, homosexuality. Yeah, true. Homosexuality was a part of it. But the, the, the main sins of Sodom, and I'm going to show you that today in Ezekiel chapter 16, if I have enough time, it tells you what the sins of Sodom really were. And, and homosexuality was definitely a part of it. But the main reason why God destroyed Sodom is the people were just really, really wicked. And they didn't care about anybody but themselves majority of people anyway. So, then verse 11, Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So, you know, if you get people that don't respect authority, don't want to be ruled, they're, they're acting like people, uh, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. To get God's definition of how the people of uh, Sodom were and, in particular, what their sins are or were. And, more importantly, of course, to avoid those sins. So, in Ezekiel chapter 16, the close here, let's look at the sins of Sodom. Ezekiel chapter 16. Verse 49, Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And this was in the context of Abraham doing that. And also the Hattar reading or the prophets reading today focus on that as well of Elijah helping the poor. So, in, in, in verse 49, Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, verse 50, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, 
And the abomination, of course, one of the abominations I just read to you, that homosexuality is considered abomination. So that's one of the abominations they committed. So, therefore, I took them away as I saw good. All right, so we know that the sins of Sodom that we must avoid is pride, thinking too highly of yourself. Fullness of bread, just having so much you don't know what to do with, and just eating, 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 eating. Abundance of idleness, and not strengthening the hand of the poor and the needy. This describes, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, the United States and many of the, the tribes of Israel today, including Judah. I mean, we were all, in a way, spoiled. We have so much. Uh, the United States is one of the fattest nations in the world. Matter of fact, God calls us uh, in Deuteronomy, the uh, prophecy of the songs of Moses. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, he calls us uh, Jezreel because we wax fat. That's one of our characteristics of the end time. We're a fat nation. And that's what we are right now. We're a very, very fat nation. And we we need to repent of that and we need to... Uh, stop eating so much and we need to exercise and stop being lazy and another another one of uh, the things that God prophesied that we would be at this state in Hosea uh, chapter I think it's Hosea chapter 4 Let's turn here about his people being destroyed for lack of knowledge and it's talking about not only biblical knowledge but just common sense and, and we as a nation we lack common sense. Our teenagers definitely lack it the way they act today, which means the parents don't uh, lack it. Or if they have it, they want to teach like they should, according uh, to what the Shema tells us to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But anyway, Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the land has, for the Lord, rather, has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. Meaning that the majority of people aren't getting the true knowledge of God, and that's true. Verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. This sounds like our nation today. We swear and we lie and we kill and we steal and we commit adultery. Definitely do that. And break out and blood touches blood. Uh, do our abortions and murders and everything else. Verse 3, therefore shall a land mourn and everyone that dwells therein shall languish. And then, let me just go to verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the Torah or teachings of, of God. I will also forget your children. And he has. He's allowed our children to not test high in um, scores, math scores, and 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 and, and and science, we're, we're, we used to be number one. We're, we're like number 22 or something like that. We're not even in the top ten anymore. So this prophecy is being fulfilled as I speak. So those parents who really care about God, please listen to me and start teaching your children the laws of God. I have many Bible studies on how to raise children in the archives. Please listen to them. And if you have any other questions or if you need direction in that area, please uh, email me. If you want to call me, call me. All right? So that is uh, the Torah portion for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this is what we will do every week unless there's world-breaking news that I need to address. Not world-breaking news, but <laughs> uh, significant news that, that we need to address. Uh, I'll address it. And then from time to time I will give special Bible studies where the Lord leads me to do so. So anyway, may the Lord bless and keep you, and may he protect you, and God willing, I'll speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts.
Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 